The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is the Pick 6 Podcast, and this is the Conference Championship Recap. That's Will Brinson. That's Sean Reach. I'm Will Wilson. All right, guys. Let's start in Santa Clara. But the 49ers trailed the Lions 24-7 to at half. And this is where I point out since 2022, the 49ers were 0-5 when trailing by 14 or more points at any point in the game. And then all they did was score 27 unanswered points to that late Lions touchdown. They recovered that little tidy onside kick, kneeled it out. San Francisco's going back to the Super Bowl. We'll face a familiar foe in the old Kansas City Chiefs. Plenty of time to talk about that. But now let's talk about that San Francisco-Detroit game. So, Brinson, what are we to make of this 49ers team, one that was invisible for large parts of both their playoff games, first against the Packers last week and then tonight against the Lions before setting the world afire? I'm going to answer your question. I am surprised that we're not starting with Dan Campbell in fourth downs because that feels like, like the only the thing anyone is talking about. And, yes, I realize we need to buck the – um, the pick six podcast 10 year trend of talking about losers first. So sure. For, uh, look, I think San Francisco, I think that they are a team that has started slow um, for different reasons. The last two weeks, one against green Bay, I think Debo's injury, Debo Samuel's injury caused them to start slow because of how they scripted things out. And then, two, I think they came out tight, and Detroit came out really just more prepared to play, playing the underdog role. San Francisco wanted to sort of like thought felt it was going to be like a little, you know, a heavyweight fight. You feel the other side out, and Detroit came out swinging like crazy. Um, but eventually, what we saw was Brock Purdy playing his ass off, scrambling like crazy. I think 51 total rushing yards, if you don't count. The uh, whatever he did at the end, if he kneeled down, uh, you know, he he ran he ran the ball, uh, finished with 48 total because I think he kneeled down, but ran the ball well, delivered some key strikes. And I don't know, man, do you want do you want to talk about momentum is real? Like, mo- <laughs> momentum is real, Ray Lewis once said. 
Because it sure felt like momentum was real for the 49ers with all the different breaks they got, whether it was you know, Dan Campbell goes for it all or kicks on fourth and fourth and fourth and goal from the three right before the half to uh to to make the score 24 to 7. The Lions wouldn't score again until there was under a minute left in the game. And San Francisco adjusted well, but they come out, they get a field goal, cut it to 14 points. And then when Dan Campbell, you know, goes for it on fourth and two, Niners get the ball back, go down and score quickly. Immediately, Jameer, Jameer Gibbs fumbles. Niners score again. And then they tack on a field goal. And then that final touchdown, it, it, when it was 24 to 24, it felt like the Niners were up 25, 24 points. And I, I think that it'll be a fast. I, I, w- I would, I would say that I would, I will probably be picking Kansas City because as good as the Niners are, it feels like they're a little too lemon bootied breach for their own good sometimes in these moments, and needed almost needed to be down big to just say f it and kind of cut it loose. Brenton, I don't even know what lemon bootied means, but I agree with you <laughs> because of the context you used it in. I, I mean, we are talking about a team that now really feels like they could have easily lost in either of these playoff games. You saw the Packers dominate them or or control the game for three quarters before that 49ers come back last week. And really, uh, this to me felt, and and we will dissect the Lions here uh, when we're done talking about San Francisco, but this really to me felt more like a Detroit collapse than the 49ers uh, comeback. And obviously, uh, you know, you don't outscore a team 27 to seven in a half unless you did do some things right. And I, I think this is probably what Kyle Shanahan told this team at halftime is like, okay, guys, we are losing 24 to seven, but it's not like we can't move the ball. We put up what 130 yards where we just, we're not doing anything that I, it was just a weird game. Weird first half. Christian McCaffrey wasn't doing anything in the first half. And, Kyle Shanahan seemed determined to get his run game going, even though the Lions had one of the best rushing defenses in football, and he wouldn't get away from that. And then, you know, obviously, Brinson talked about the big plays that Brock Purdy made with his legs. So just, and I mean, Juwan Jennings had that one crazy catch. And, the insane Brandon Ayuk catch should have been an interception and set up the first touchdown. I mean, just so many crazy things happen that I don't even know where to start with. Like, if I was grading the 49ers for this game, I wouldn't even know what to give them because this is, they look 17 point comeback in an NFC title game tied for the biggest in NFC title game history. Like, all due credit, but. My God, what did we just watch? Wilson, what did we just watch? Yeah. All right. So we got that out of the way. We talked about the 49ers. Let's get to the, the real reason we're here. <laughs> Thank you. I was, up, honestly, I was, th- I was thrown by your first question because I was like, I I just, I just, was just sort of thinking, like, that's all anybody's texting or talking about right now is Dan Campbell. We're going to get to it. I, I think we just, it's important to, to give the flowers to the team. I, that I agree that with you. I just, I mean. Uh, so to, to, to get to what we really want to talk about here, and to, Breach just talked about the first half. Um, Lions had 280 total yards in the first half to 131 that Breach mentioned. Uh, they had 148 rush yards, and it looked like Kyle Shanahan was going to walk down the sideline and strangle Steve Wilkes for not getting the defense to play like it's supposed to. But let's get to what happened with uh, Dan Wilkes and his aggressiveness here because um, here's what I'm going to say. That's what got them here, this aggressiveness. So yes. I'm not going to fault Dan Campbell for that, but you can certainly be angry if you're a Lions fan or, or if you're Pete Prisco, who's a traditionalist, or even BMAC was tweeting about it. Um, so here we go. 24 to 10. 
Campbell goes for it on fourth and two at, at uh, the 49ers 28-yard line, and, and Josh Reynolds drops the ball that hits him in the hands. Is it a tough catch? Yes. Should he catch it? Yes, he should also. Uh, I think you always you got to back it up to right before half when it was fourth and three, fourth and goal on the three yard line, and he, and he told um, uh, Aaron. It was no, he told uh, Tom Rinaldi, one of the two, that he agonized over the decision to kick, kick the field goal. I, I would have kicked because it's you know the end of the half, but it's also like the karmic nature of not going for it there, and then like you don't get any of the breaks in the second half it stood out to me for sure. But but to Brenton's point there. That just proves that there is at least one conservative bone in Dan Campbell's body, and he right. used it right before halftime. So, and it sounded like Greg would, Olson would made the point that. Would you have kicked or gone uh, there? Would you have kicked or gone there? It, may, it sounded like Greg, Greg Olson made the point that because you saw Dan Campbell go talk to the officials looking down the, the the hash mark, and if it had been two and a half yards instead of three and a half, maybe that changes his math. So I think that's probably that was the the, the dividing line, the three yard line in that instance. I'm fine with him kicking it there because you go up. What are you up at halftime? You're up, uh, you're up, yeah, you're up 20, no, you're up 24 to seven and a half with that kick. And he yeah, did so, say, he did say it was a smidge, this is a quote, it's a smidge too far for us. And to your point, Wilson, I think he walked down the sideline, saw where it was. It's the three. And look, like the analytics are taking the numbers that are being run through the stats and information system that's being distributed. Like for instance, ESPN's analytical operation is, is taking the number that they get from from the NFL game stats and information system, right? And it's saying, okay, um, we, what would you do on fourth and three? Well, if you're Dan Campbell and you walk down there, there's fourth and three and three quarters. Like that's, you know, th- that could be fourth and three in the game book, but it's probably closer to fourth and four. And so I think that stuff kind of eludes us in the moment as well. Yeah. All right. So let's get back. So we, we got the field goal. I think I'm okay with that. I'm guessing you guys are okay with the field goal before half. The one thing I'll say about the field goal real quick is that the thing is, if you go for a touchdown, you don't get getting up three scores is the key there. And if you get the touchdown, you're still only up three scores versus the field goal. You're up three scores and a field goal is basically 100 percent from that close. A touchdown obviously is not. And if you don't get it, you're only up two scores. The pointers get the ball first in the first half. And at that situation, all I thought about was the Bengals Chiefs AFC title game where the one the Bengals won where the Chiefs went for it, didn't get it. And they could have made it a three score. It's, it's just, there's a lot of dynamics. Well, and, but to that point, when they kick the field goal before the half, right? Like if, if they go for it and don't get it, it's the same argument where when they went for it on fourth down and then the Niners go down and score a touchdown, even though it was like basically a completely fluke play off of a face mask that Brandon Ayuk ended up catching. It's like, well, that's what Dan Campbell gets for not going for it. However, I liked going for it in the instance you're talking about, Wilson. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's go through the the painful reliving of of what happened in the second half for these Lions. So Dan Campbell goes for it on fourth and two. They're up twenty four to ten on the 49ers twenty eight yard line. Seven minutes to go in the third quarter. I mentioned Josh Reynolds dropped the ball that hits him in the hands. Tough catch. Yes, he made it absolutely. Yes. So instead of going up twenty seven to ten, uh, the aforementioned uh, Brinson, Brandon Ayuk, Kendall Vildor. Helmet smash touchdown uh, or to the five yard line happens. And look, man, we say it all the time. There's a reason these guys are playing defense because they can't catch ball hit him right in the freaking face. You would like to make that catch. He didn't make the catch. Shout out to Brandon Ayuk. And look, the other thing we talk about a lot about is that sometimes um, Brock Purdy struggles with a deep ball uh, in terms of uh, underthrowing it. 
he actually overthrew that one. So I'll give him credit for unleashing that one. I, great play I thought Brandon there could have been OPI there, honestly. Like how you kind of hit hit uh, Will old Wilbur there. Um, Breach, in that instance, 48-yard field goal. You mentioned going up three scores, and I, and I agree with you. Going up three scores is a huge difference. Would you have kicked or gone for it there? Now, here's real quick to answer a question, Brenton. Number one, did Michael Badgley have the worst week of practice in the history <laughs> of, at the NFL? Because this is just – Dan Campbell's not even looking at his kicker. He didn't hesitate for the two in the second half. Obviously, he did in the first half. And so both of those kicks – and we'll get to the second one, so I'll just stick to this one right now. This one would have been a 46-yard field goal. I tweeted out that it could have factored into Dan Campbell's decisions – that Michael Badgley has a career percentage of 59.1% between 45 and 49 yards. So this not is good. not a lock by any means. Uh, now, that being said, this <laughs> came with seven minutes left in the third quarter. If I have a chance to go up three scores with seven minutes left in the third quarter, I am absolutely going to try it. So I would have kicked but Breach, let, me let me push back on that. So 50, what's the percentage? Yeah, say that again. I was texting it to my friends. We're all arguing about this. 59.1 between 45 and 49. Okay, do you feel better about converting a fourth and two or 59% chance of making the field goal? Well, now, hold on. This Because I didn't see Michael Badgley warm up on Sunday. <laughs> oh, There's okay. a lot that factors into it. All right, Michael so, Jackson, keep me walking. Badgley well, well, no, was, was ripping Jaeger shots on the sideline. Like, well, like, it was perfect know. kicking weather. I mean, there, it wasn't cold. It yeah. wasn't rainy. It was absolutely perfect kicking weather. So if he was out there drilling 50-yarders and warm-ups, then I'm absolutely going to have confidence in him to make that. And look, going up three scores, again, against a team that had mostly struggled, obviously they got that, they only got a field goal on their first drive of the half. So it's not even like they got that touchdown. They didn't have that momentum yet. They got three points. You take that three points right back from them and they're back at square one where they were at halftime, except they've lost eight minutes. So I, yes, I would have taken the field goal there. Okay. All right. Let me get through these and then we'll, we'll reevaluate. No interruptions for 90 seconds. Here we go. So instead of going up 27 to 10, the IU play down to the five-yard line. CMC scores a few moments later. Um, and then it's 24-17. A little tight butt syndrome going on. So five minutes left to go in the third quarter. Uh, two minutes later, it's tied. Jameer Gibbs fumbles on the first play on a wonky handoff. And uh, a 70-point lead in eight minutes, Arrivederci. So um, 17. <laughs> that that oh, was a like 70. That was a turnaround. And I'll just ask ask you, Brinson, uh, how much blame are you are you putting on Dan Campbell? Because as Breach notes, if you even kick the field goal there, you're up three scores, and that makes things immeasurably more difficult, you would imagine, for the 49ers. I think that uh, – I mean, look, Dan Campbell coached – here's, here's where I stand on this. And it, for me, it's as simple as Dan Campbell was hyper-aggressive all year long, and we loved it. And when it worked, it worked great. You were rolling the dice on these fourth down conversions. And we, I've gone back and forth on a, a text thread with, with me and my friends about this. It is like a huge arguing point that there's no right answer for. Even the analytics, like Seth Walter tweets out ESPN's in-house analytics for it. It was like, it's right on the edge. We're talking like so, somewhere between 0.1 and 0.5, you know, uh, percent added win probability it's not a ton you know we're, we're, it's fractional and i think that dan campbell has had 
I mean, I, I've said it before in every preview that his aggressiveness could flip these games because as an underdog, it gives you a chance to change, you know, to change how your aggression can change everything and give you an opportunity for more possessions. For instance, when they're up 24 to 10 and he goes for it on fourth and two and they, if, if, if Josh Reynolds catches that, you burn two or three more minutes off of the clock and potentially get a touchdown and maybe put the game away. So I'm okay being aggressive there. I thought at the end of the, I thought, I thought that the, um, the third one where they were, were they down? What, what, they were down. Well, that one yet. Because yeah, so I would have. I would have, I would have, I would have gone forward to the second one. I'm fine with kicking before half. I would have gone forward to the second one. I would have kicked on the third one, and then I wouldn't have used my timeout at the end of the game. That's where I sort of stood on his. I, but to answer your question, Wilson, I don't blame Dan Campbell for being the same coach, the same guy that he was throughout the year, and just catching some bad breaks and losing because of it. Hey, Breach, let me add real quick that the next one you're talking about here, fourth and three from the 49ers 30-yard line, uh, just under eight minutes ago in the fourth quarter. Goff rolls right and throws incomplete when he gets flushed out of the pocket there. The 49ers come down, Elijah Mitchell. One play, one touchdown, 34-24, game basically over. So, same question to you there, Johnny, unless you have something else you want to add. Well, look, I understand that it, this is the point Wilson made all year whenever I would push back on Dan Campbell, that you have to know when to not be crazy. Well, no, Wilson, because it blew up in his face here. Oh. Uh, but you were saying, and, and you said this about the Cowboys game, the two-point conversion after the five-yard penalty that pushed him back to the seven, that's just Dan Campbell's nature. And maybe he'll come back and bite him in the butt. Maybe it won't, but that is his philosophy. That's how he does things. But we did see that is not how he always does things because he did kick the field goal in the first half, as we mentioned, which is why it's key to bring that up, as Brenton mentioned. And so, it, you know, and it wasn't even the fact that they failed on these fourth downs. It's that you have a running game that was averaging seven yards per carry, and you threw the ball on both fourth downs. You know, maybe, I don't know. It's well, they ran it on the third down at the end of the game, Breach. The third down run uh, at the end of the game was a horrendous play. Breach called that one in. That was his fault. He told Ben Johnson to run that play. That was- here, real quick on Dan Campbell, though. Here's, here's what I'm going to say about Dan Campbell, is that you have to know when to rein it in. You see your team flailing, especially... Uh, on the second one, when it's 27-24, the four Niners have all the momentum. The last thing you want to do is, I, I mean, as soon as they failed there, did anybody think that the, the, the Lions defense was going to get a stop? No, that you knew the four Niners were going to score and it was game over. You kick a field goal, it's 27-27. Now the four Niners are on their heels. They're in a tie game with a seven-point underdog and in a perfect situation for them to choke a game away. And, and instead, the Lions just choke this away. Um, third down comparisons. 17 points to zero points, 170 yards to 42 yards, 126 passing yards for the Brock Purdy's, 22 for the Jerry Goffs, and the turnover. Um, one other thing I want to mention, because we can talk about the decision-making with Dan Campbell, and I think Brinson's right, and Breach, I think you would like to agree, but that's why the Lions are where they are. They would have been an eight-win team, best case maybe, if they don't take those chances. But also wanted to know, like, little things also add up besides the decision-making from the head coach. Josh Reynolds forgot how to catch for large parts of this game. The Vildor doink doesn't help on the Brandon Ayuk thing. Breach, I want to ask you about this. What about, so they get backed up. They're on their minus 26 after a string of bad plays in the, in the third quarter, I believe. Could have been the fourth quarter. The punter booms a 76-yarder. It bounces straight up inside the four-yard line. And Chase Lucas, 
for reasons that remain unanswered to me, catches the ball in the end zone instead of calming down and catching at the one-yard line. That could have flipped the field position. Instead, they get it at the 20. That's another thing that happened. And then Mellon finally missed the the sack on Purdy. Uh, That saved a big run that got a first down. So those things also add up. In terms I'll of- just say on the punt real quick, just epitomize the Lions night where if you can't even down a punt correctly, <laughs> uh, and, and real quick, uh, Debo brought the graphic up here that we didn't mention real quick because somebody's accusing me of classic hindsight takes yeah. uh, where that graphic said Dan Campbell's eventually going to cost his team more than Sam Laporta with this gambling. And that's the conversation we had after Laporta got injured in the final week of the season. And then we said that if he keeps being this aggressive, it's going to come back and bite him. We had that conversation in week 18. And I said the same thing that I'm saying right now. So it's been a month of saying this uh, and it did happen. So, but the punt, you have to down that. If no one would have touched that, it sits at probably the two or three yard line. And you put the 49ers right there in a 24, 24 game and your pass rush gets the Purdy. Maybe you get a safety if you force a three and out. So it's just little things like that. They just all added up. It was painful to watch. I can't even imagine uh, watching this game with a Lions fan. Anything Brent's crying. Oh, he's on mute. Oh, I thought he's he was crying. I thought he lost his voice. Oh, I tears oh, I'm sorry. Did I? Did you even hear me yell, Wilson? You look the same in both of those. Um, uh, I noticed probably. that, but you, I didn't hear. <laughs> we, we read your <laughs> I mouth. Heard you, I heard you giggle. Um, let, let me ask you this: Do you think that it's possible that the way we view? Okay. The things that happened in the second half for the Lions, the bat, the punt stuff, the Gibbs fumble, you know, uh, the Brandon Ayuk catch, do to me like momentum is a thing. Don't get me wrong, like, I, and I think it's crazy where it's like it's like oh momentum, momentum's not I mean, momentum has to be real. Like <laughs> I'm an NC State fan, I've seen it rip apart an entire stadium several hundred times in my life, um, but. I don't think that those things happened to the Lions because Dan Campbell did or did not go for it on fourth down. Like I don't think the mentality of the team changed. One of Prisco's arguments on our text thread was that you got this young team and suddenly they're questioning themselves. And I mean, like this is a viable argument, like, and, and we don't know. Like, it, you know, do you do you guys think that at any point the decision making by Dan Campbell caused the Detroit Lions to pucker up, lemon booty breach, if you will? and make mistakes or do you think it was simply the 49ers weren't going to be held down that freaking long not with that defense in the way and and frankly the 49ers offensive game plan in the first half was just bad and that the that dan campbell wanted to keep his foot on the gas and they just suffered a series of what lemony schnickets would call a series of unfortunate events breach let me just say a couple things and then you can respond number one i think that uh Brinson's magic beans that were shipped to Tomlin. He shipped it to Kyle Shanahan the last two weeks, number one. And number two, you sort of touched on it with the Cowboys-Lions game and in, in back in the regular season in terms of how Dan Campbell's going to approach things. And the only th- last thing I'll say is that we saw a bunch of quotes during the game from Lions players who said they would rather play for no one else than Dan Campbell, and he's gotten the most out of them. I can't imagine that any of those guys were worried about anything. They were probably just ready to go to the next play. And a lot of times when you ask players, they would much rather be aggressive than than be passive. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that for the most part, but not in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship when you have a chance to tie the game. I think that if you put if you tie the game, you're giving you're saying, all right, I have confidence in my defense to get our team the ball back so that we can win this game. Uh, and obviously, 
you showed confidence in your offense by going for it, but they let you down. And it, I don't know. It's just interesting because, look, I think that when you look at the 2021 or maybe 22 Chargers, when they had Brandon Staley and he was hyper-aggressive all the Great. time and it yeah. blew up in his face, especially in that Raiders game in Week 18 with the winner going to the playoffs and they didn't make it. And all people wrote about at the end of that season was, man, Staley doesn't know what he's doing, blah, blah, blah. And then to Brinson's words, he puckered up after that. He was never the same coach because he, he always got in his own head. He didn't know what to do in key situations. He didn't know what it made sense to go for on fourth down. It, it, it was a changed man out there. So we'll see. Be interesting to see what Dan Campbell looks like going forward. But hey, let me ask you one more thing before we move on. Would you have kicked a field goal earlier on the last drive for your Lions? They ultimately scored a touchdown, but they had to use the timeout. They had to go for a fourth down, and they had less than a minute left by the time they tried the onside kick. I, I think the way to answer that for me is that it not not necessarily that you should have kicked earlier, but that, or maybe you should have kicked earlier. You needed to have the three timeouts, even if you were going to try an onside anyway, which I think is a pretty viable case to make that they, regardless, they were going to kick an onsides, try to stop them. Um, you, you, you have to get the points. You have to be kicking off with three timeouts in your pocket. I would, I think I would have preferred breach and correct me if I'm wrong on the math here on the, after third down, when you run the ball, which you should really shouldn't have done, you have to pass the ball on third down there. And I, I get like, if the, and again, a lot of this stuff is, if it works, that's great. And they've done that. They did this before, I think late in the regular season, when they ran on a third down or a fourth down, they did it with Craig Reynolds in there. Most people were thinking, Oh, he's a pass down back. They're going to pass it here. They run it, draw up the middle scores, a touchdown. Well, David Montgomery was tackled sort of the goal line. The clock is running. To me, run no huddle or sprint your kicking team out there and bang home a field goal, even if it's like a 15, 18-yard field goal, whatever it is. Get a field goal, get, run the offense out there and run no huddle, but run a play because you're going to get the play off with over 40 seconds left and have three timeouts remaining. Like, you have to have the three timeouts left, no matter what, to me. that 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 was the biggest failure. Yeah, that was totally shocking that they let that happen. I don't know if uh, Campbell would have had to sign off on that play call in that situation because it's so crucial. If it, you, running the ball, you're, it, you don't get the touchdown. The game's over, and it was. I mean, that's what happened. Onside kicks are almost impossible to recover now, yep. and it, it is. I probably would have kicked the field goal a little bit earlier, maybe when – I mean, well, Dan Campbell clearly doesn't trust his kicker. Doesn't He wants to get touchdowns all the time. He doesn't do field goals. Um but the more time you leave yourself on the clock, uh, you know, when I think they got down to it looks like the 16 yard line with about a minute 35 left. If you kick the field goal there, you're going to first down, you just kick the field goal and you're down seven and you're, you kick off deep with three timeouts left. Like that's not a crazy decision there. Right. And then the flip side now he, once he decided not to do that and you get down to the one yard line and you keep burning time at that point, I do think you have to have the touchdown yeah, because you keep costing yourself more and more time. And if they would have gotten the touchdown there, they had second down at the one yard line. They had third down at the one yard line. If they score on either of those two plays and have all three timeouts, you could theoretically kick it deep because if you onside kick it, you're probably not going to recover it. And you have to make a stop no matter what. You have to make them go three and out. And if you kick it deep, use all your three timeouts to go three and out. You need like 15 yards to get in field goal range. Although we don't know what Michael Badgley's field goal range. So, they, I, I, yeah, I felt like they botched the end of the game. This is just not. They, they called the, the timeout with one minute remaining. 
I would much rather sprint the offense. And look, granted, you've got to, you, if you call the timeout because you're like, we're completely flustered, we have to have a play call ready that will score the touchdown. But if you get, if you score that touchdown with 45 seconds left and have three timeouts, that's substantially better than 56 and two timeouts. If you score with 30 seconds left and three yeah. timeouts, that's better than two timeouts with a minute left because the 49ers can run 40 seconds off the clock thanks to that timeout not existing. So anything over 20 with three timeouts would be better than one minute left with two timeouts. And so it was just crazy that, uh, man, that was just not, I thought Dan Campbell was a better in-game coach than Kyle Shanahan. This is stuff I would expect it out of Kyle Shanahan just based on their track record and what we've seen in the postseason before. But man, no, this was a clinic on what not to do in the final two minutes of a game. And just real quickly, I think it's worth noting, like Josh Reynolds had a good, a good season and he had a great game against the Rams early on his old team, helping them beat, win that playoff game at 75 yards in the first quarter. I think he had two really bad drops in this game. The fourth down one is like a seven out of 10 bad drop. The third down one's a 10 out of 10 terrible drop. And I get maybe your confidence is shaking or whatever. You could also, uh, Prisco lamented just while we're on decision-making real quickly, lamented the flea flicker and said that it was quote a drive killer and he said it at the time before like the drive actually ended i mean i don't mind it i you know, they've been gashing him with the run but like you call that play and you get jamo jameson williams like with the ball coming down to his hands he got hit from behind a little bit i, I was fine with it i think i think it's just a a couple of those plays go the lions way and they win this game i don't know not easily but they they win this game pretty handily Here's something that Brian McFadden said on the pregame HQ tonight when we were uh, we were talking about the ending of the game we're going to talk about next, but also it applies to this Lions team. Uh, he said at his first Super Bowl 2005, which was Coach Cower, incidentally was in Detroit, Coach Cower that week, two weeks in preparation, told the coaches and the players, do not change anything that you've done to get to this point because you start turtling up and then your, you know, your butt cheeks get tight and things like that happen. And um, we just saw a, gra- a tweet that Debo put on the screen um, from uh, – Campbell's press conference, and he says he understand, understands the scrutiny that comes with uh, the decisions he made. He stands by the fourth down decisions. He gets that as part of the gig. He doesn't regret coaching the way he did. And I think that's the way you got to think about it. And sometimes, another thing that Dick LeBeau used to say, sometimes the bear gets you, sometimes you get the bear. Today, the bear the bear mauled him. Um, our buddy Ben Solak uh, tweeted this out, which is also <laughs> incredibly demoralizing. Expected points lost for Detroit. Minus five and a half points for the Gibbs fumble. Started the, the snowfall of terribleness. The IU doinker minus three points. Uh, Reynolds fourth down drop, minus three more points. The incomplete to St. Brown on fourth and three, minus two and a half points. So, I mean, they, they could have won by three scores, it feels like, but they did not. All right, so we will talk about the Lions and once we get to the offseason conversation because they are now officially in the offseason. We'll talk about the 49ers later in the week because they are still playing and have to meet their AFC nemesis in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 58, Las Vegas, CBS, Paramount Plus. But in the meantime, we're going to take a break when we come back. Talk about that AFC championship game between the Chiefs and the Ravens right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Man, it felt like the Ravens didn't take BMAC's advice, and they did the exact opposite of what got them there. Gus Edwards ran the ball three times. <laughs> um, that doesn't make sense. And uh, Breach, we talked last week, and he caught a little guff for saying that Lamar didn't play great in the first half of last week's game and then turned it on. He didn't play great in this game either. Not entirely his fault. But I think the the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes has never played on the road in the playoffs. Turns out it doesn't matter. Brinson talked about this offense turning it on. Turns out they don't need anybody but Patrick Mahomes or Travis Kelsey and a little bit of Rasheed Rice in there, and then, then you're good to go. Uh, Travis Kelsey had his eighth catch midway through the second quarter. <laughs> Ended up with 11 catches on 11 targets and uh, pretty much took over that game as did Patrick Mahomes. They ran the ball better than most teams have uh, on the Ravens uh, recently. I know over the second month, uh, the last month of the season, the Ravens were given a bunch of yards, but they were, I think, there are explanations for that. All right, Brenton, how'd the Chiefs do it? I I saw this from Adam Chernoff, and I was looking to confirm it, but I mean, I think my eyeballs confirm the generality of it. The Ravens had three runs to running backs after the first quarter. They passed on every down. I thought. I think Todd Munkin has been a revelation for the Baltimore Ravens and that offense and Lamar Jackson. His coaching helped Lamar Jackson improve as a passer. And I think Lamar was always a good passer, but I think that it um, helped him flourish as a passer and shut the idiot haters up who said that Lamar wasn't good. Like, he's a running back, plays quarterback, all that crap. Um, I don't think this is about Lamar in a playoff game. That's a narrative that gets bandied about way too much. But, man, the game plan for the Ravens against this Chiefs defense was just not very good. And it was asking Lamar to sit in the pocket and throw way, way too much. He had 37 passing attempts for 272 yards, completed 20 of them. There were so many times it felt like if Lamar didn't try to get through his third, second, third, fourth read, whatever it was, and just took off, he would have tons of – it felt like he could have run for 250 yards today. And I'm not saying that that should have been the game plan coming in, but the game plan should have been to pound the rock against Kansas City, to run the ball against against them, and to force Mahomes into, into being one-dimensional. Mahomes – and look, there wasn't a point there, – there wasn't a point – there wasn't a touchdown scored after the – 10-minute mark of the second quarter in this game. Both defense stepped up in a huge way. Mahomes, those first two drives, those first two touchdown drives, was magnificent. That was F you for making me a dog. I'll win on the road, Mahomes. Started 11 of 11. He was incredible. But then the Ravens' defense adjusted. They completely shut down the Chiefs. And if you hold Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes to 17 points in the AFC Championship game, you need to you need to win that game. And the Ravens should have scored more than 10. They had a, they had some bad luck too. The Zay Flowers stuff. We'll get to that in a minute. But 
I thought the game plan in general from Baltimore on offense was very poor and it didn't adjust. They didn't adjust at all. It didn't change. And that was the difference for me in this game. Yeah. I'll say if I could have a goat of the game, as in the person who I blame it on, not not greatest of all time, yeah. not greatest of all time. It's so confusing nowadays. It would be Todd Bonkin. I cannot believe that a, you have, the number one rushing attack in the NFL. And if you watched any film from the Bills Chiefs game last week, which I'm assuming he did, the Bills ran for like 180 yards. If there is one thing you can absolutely do on the Chiefs defense, it is run the ball. And to Brinson's point, the Gus Edwards first carry of the game goes for 15 yards. You would think, hey, one carry for 15 yards, that's pretty solid. Let's give him the ball. Let's feed him and see what happens. He got two more carries the rest of the game. That's it. They didn't even, and you know, if this game was 31 to 10 or something like that where it necessitates you getting out of your game plan and throwing the ball, that's one thing. I would get that. But this is 17 to 10. It was a one-score game for a good chunk of and the four quarters. running back carries. Six. I mean, it's... And even when you're down 17-7, you're still in a spot where you stick to your game plan. You don't get crazy and throw the ball 37 times with Lamar Jackson. That's not how this offense is designed to run. It's not what Todd Monken did the whole year. So it was just mind-blowing that they called the offense like that. Now, to Lamar Jackson thing, you can definitely pin some of this blame on Lamar. I just want – it is – Todd Monken is the number one guy on that offense I would blame. Is it Monken or Monken? You're going to get a recording and, and press it every time I, uh, but look, Lamar had a horrible interception in the end zone. Uh, you can't take that away. There's the strip stack. So he had two key turnovers. And when you look at what Lamar Jackson has done, that's three of his five playoff games where he's had multiple turnovers. So I don't think it's unfair to say he struggles in the playoffs because this is a struggle. He's been in four playoff games where he scored 10 points, three points, 12 points, 17 points. I think this is the third time where the Ravens lowest scoring total of the season came in a playoff game. Why doesn't this offense work in the playoffs? Like what's the explanation for that? Is it because the offensive coordinator decides to go rogue and you know what, let's just try a completely new game plan that we don't even know if our offense can do. Let's just do it. And, you know, like the Lions, there were some drop passes here that, but it just, this offense wasn't going to work the way it was run today. I, I don't know what they were doing. It just didn't make any sense, Wilson. So it is a perplexing development, no doubt about it. So as we go through their regular season, they had 11 wins against teams with 500 better record. That That's incredibly impressive. And they were just smashing teams. They beat Detroit 38 to six. They beat Seattle 37 to three. The Rams was a little closer, but they scored 37, 31 Jacksonville, 23, seven, the 49ers and Miami in back-to-back weeks blow their doors out, 33 points and 56 points respectively. And then a 10-burger at home in their first AFC Championship game. They rolled out T. Sizzle. They rolled out Ray Lewis. Those guys, I would say they need them, but the defense actually played incredibly well in the second half. I think Mike McDonald, um, he's got an interview, I think, scheduled for tomorrow, reportedly. He, that was the best resume builder you could put out there, that second-half performance against one of the most uh, one of the best offenses, at least in the playoffs, because I've been crushing this offense in the regular. I mean, season. Mike McDonald and, and Ben Johnson are. I mean, it sucks because their team. You know, you you lose in the championship game, and you're probably losing like two of your most important coordinators. Yeah, it happened to Debo's Eagles, and they turned out fine. So I'm sure that these teams will be okay. <laughs> Sorry, um, I, I I I noticed. Uh, I can't. Somebody in the chat was lamenting the uh, 
the lack of credit we gave to the Chiefs defense. Chiefs defense was awesome. Chiefs defense, Chiefs defense played oh, really well, well. We just started the conversation. We'll get there. I know. <laughs> I was just, just putting it out there. <laughs> yeah. No, I'll start here. Uh, Charles, a minute who went out, and to, to both your points, uh, it, one of your best, well, your interior defensive lineman that certainly helps out Chris Jones is your dude. Uh, run the ball. Why aren't you running the ball? And by the way, when Isaiah Pacheco was running the ball 24 times, and he only got 2.8 yards per carry, but the point is that they didn't go away from the run. And when you're having a conversation, 2024 Andy Reid certainly different, but where Andy Reid is more committed to the run than you are, you need to take a long, hard look in the mirror about what you're doing and why you're doing it because um, it, it just doesn't doesn't add up. The other thing they didn't have, they didn't have Willie Gay. He was out. He was going to be the spy for Lamar Jackson, which, again, goes to the point, hey, let Lamar run a little more. It was Leo Chanel. Leo Chanel missed a sack early on, I believe, um, and he's certainly not the athlete that Willie Gay is. And LeJarrius Sneed balled out. Deion Bush had the interception on the on the triple team that Breach mentioned earlier. Trent McDuffie is one of the best young players in the NFL. And Sneed forced the fumble in the end zone, right, with Zay Flowers? You know, the after, only way Zay, that, after Zay Flowers got the penalty for taunting taunted. him on that. After Lamar Jackson underthrew him for what could have been a touchdown. Yeah. The only way that turnover would have been better if it had been Miko Harmon who punched the ball out, but it was not. He that fumbled was last week. A crazy turn of events. No, Miko fumbled last week at the Bills game. And that was, you know, the whole thing with the Zay Flowers taunting, it is what it is because in the end, it didn't matter because they got back down to the one-yard line. What mattered is that he fumbled the ball at the one, and that's the thing that cost them, not the taunting. So, and then Breach, well, he was so angry with way, himself. It was his fault. He was so angry with himself that he went to the sideline <laughs> and tore his, tore his hand up banging the ground. My you, God. I mean, so the, the five, it was a 10-minute span for, and I appreciate the retweet, Breach. I noticed that. Um, Breach bump. Uh, the intimidus man for Zay Flowers, he catches this long pass, does like seven crazy moves, and Zay Flowers is going to be awesome. He's a, he's a great player. Oh, incredible rookie season. Uh, I mean, the two teams who lost, by the way, uh, in the championship games had, you know, a lot of rookie contributors, uh, or at least, you know, on offense, and the Lions with Laporta and Shamir Gibbs. But some rookie moments. He stands over Ladarius Sneed, pushes Ladarius Sneed to the ground, stands over him, throws the ball down. Of course they're going to call taunting there. And I, I, I agree, Breach, it didn't matter technically because like immediately after he got a 14-yard completion that sort of wiped it out, but you know, right. it would have been nice to have that for a touchdown. Then Rashad, or Rashad Bateman maybe had a catch in between there. And then he gets down to the one, but as he's diving in, Ladarius Sneed goes flying out of nowhere and hits the ball and knocks it out. And I'm not saying that Ladarius Sneed was more motivated to create a turnover because of the taunting, but I, I th this was a rookie mistake and a foolish move by Zay Flowers that sort of felt like it in a in a, in a similar vein to Dan Campbell's fourth and two decision or fourth down decision making. It felt like because of when it happened and what happened afterwards that it sort of spurred on the your the opponent and and or was just like well, it was just that, that sort of pivot that pivotal moment that kind of felt like it changed things yeah and and then because it's 17 to 7 at that point if you score a touchdown there and it's 17 to 14 it's a completely different game and and again i mean even the very next yes. possession was the lamar interception in the end zone and once again you just can't do that. And the reason it, it's not look, the throw was horrible. You can't throw in a triple coverage. That's one thing, but there's no need to take that risk because a field goal cuts it to one score. You just have to get something. There was no reason to throw a ball with three guys yes. 
over your receiver. That I mean, that is what it comes down to is that you just have you cannot make a decision like that in the fourth quarter of a game that you are trailing by double digits when a field goal will cut it to one score. And that it was on, that kind of on the on that play. I I don't think they talked. I don't think I don't even think Nancy and Romo talked about this, but they showed a replay that was from the end zone looking back towards the quarterback. If Lamar would have put a little more mustard on it, well, it might have a little more mustard, but likely also threw up his hand as soon as he got released. And you're like, when you see it from that angle, you're like, oh, he's in single coverage, running up a seam, and he's and there's like two defenders converged there. Yeah, I agree with you. You have to get a field goal there. It changes well, the complete dynamics of the game. What breach? Go ahead. Well, and, and real quick, because the drive before, so you had the interception, you had the fumble. Those were both in the fourth quarter. The drive before that, they punted. Uh, from Kansas City's territory, and that was one where they had the ball at the 40-yard line. So you're on the edge of Justin Tucker field goal range, and Lamar gets sacked for an eight-yard loss. And that's another one of those where you cannot take a sack in that situation because now you're from fringe field goal range to you have to punt. And again, a field goal would have been such a big thing to get in either of those instances, and obviously a touchdown would be huge in the same Flowers instance. So you gave away three points with the interceptions. Zay Flowers gave away seven with the fumble, and then you possibly gave away three points with the sack on the punt. That's 13 points in a game where there were only 30 total points. It's very Lions-esque if you do the uh, the negative math. By the way, in the interception, Lamar talked about it in the press conference. He was asked about it, and he said he saw Tampa 2, so two deep safeties and a, and a middle linebacker running deep, and he basically said what you guys talked about. He tried to throw it and give likely a chance, but he didn't put enough mustard on it, and that's he said, you know, you can't make the mistake, but he he knew what he saw. He just didn't make the play happen. Um, oh, and fun talk- fact real quick. Yeah. Chiefs were the first team since your Steelers in 2010, Ryan, to win an AFC championship without scoring a single point in the second half. Let me ask you about this. I, I want to hear some, uh, some of Brinson's game theory on this. So 234 to go. They just kicked the field goals. The Ravens did to make it 17 to 10. Um, and there's a penalty that makes it first and five for the Chiefs. Uh, Baltimore had 12 men on the field. So I never heard of this game theory, but I, I think it makes sense, at least the way Romo was selling it to me. Roquan Smith absolutely destroys Trey Smith. All he had to do was touch him to get oh, the, yeah, this is really smart to get the offsides penalty to make it first and 10. But instead, he got called for a personal foul because he tried to put Trey Smith through the back, back of the bleachers. Uh, you okay with that? I, I think they were trying to draw a uh, encroachment penalty, like offsides penalty, whatever you want to call it. And um, the referees, in order to prevent them, they were to like, be like, oh, smart move. You should do this. Called a personal foul penalty on it. Well, he jacked him up. I think that's why he called it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's like he could have just run off sides, though. But then, right. like, th- then you're, I think you can decline it. We've talked about this before, I think. At any rate, yeah, it was a really smart move because you have first and five. If the Chiefs get a first down, the game's over. So what you want to do is force them to have a longer first down, no matter the cost. And so even if you were, even if you're like, I'm going to get a personal foul penalty, it was still worth it because you want to try to force the Chiefs into a longer first down so they can't go first and five and then pick up the first down. It's over. Yeah, Great. Um, let me ask you this. Let's give. Let's talk some more have some more happy thoughts about the chiefs. We talked about how uh, the 49ers sort of got here and it, it, you know, you feel good about it if you're a 49ers fan, but you don't feel great about the way the offense is playing, given the way they played in the regular season. How excited are you about the way this chiefs offense is coming together? And 
is this sustainable with Travis Kelsey, Rasheed Rice, and then MVS Rando catch it into the game to seal it? Uh, yeah, real quick, comparing this to the 49ers game where I, the 49ers very well could have lost their two playoff games. The Chiefs have been dominating. Uh, the Chiefs' defense was awesome. The Chiefs' offense, somehow, regular season, does nothing the last few weeks, flips the switch, and now looks completely unstoppable. I mean, sure, they only scored 10 points, but when you get two touchdowns to start the game and you put the Ravens on their heels instantly, especially against what was supposed to be a historically great defense, and they are, and it's just Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I mean, it was nuts out there that you know the ball is going to Travis Kelsey. The Ravens know the ball is going to Travis Kelsey. You guys know it's going to Travis Kelsey. Taylor Swift knows the ball is going to Travis Kelsey, and yet no one can do anything about it. 11 catches for 116 yards. The guy passed Jerry Rice for the most receptions in postseason history. That is just bonkers. And so I will say that, and we kind of said this last week, that Travis Kelsey looked like a slow 34-year-old guy the last few weeks. It was like, oh my gosh, is this going to retire? But now it just looks like he was thinking, I just need to get to the playoffs. I don't have the, I don't have the stamina to go through an 18-game season. Let's just start the playoffs so I can beat everybody to a pulp. And that really feels like what's going on here. I mean, the Chiefs' offense looked good for the first half, and it didn't matter in the second half because their defense was so good. And if you're a Chiefs fan, you were thrilled that your offense scored, looked so good in the first half against a great defense, and you were thrilled that your defense looked so good against a great offense. So I would think if you're a Chiefs fan, you walk out of this game, or yeah, walk out of this with a lot of confidence heading the Super Bowl. I think that the Chiefs, and you know, we talked about this last week, Wilson was like, can the Chiefs just flip a switch and be good on offense? Now, they weren't good for the whole game, but Clearly, that that uh, whatever ge- that gear is there for them to get to. We saw that in, in the first quarter against the Ravens, and I think when you go against the Niners' defense with that secondary, you could definitely see a situation where it shows up as well. What this reminded me more than anything of, though, was the Patriots and how the Patriots would find a way to grind through the season and. Most years they would have home field advantage, largely in part because they have a ter- they're in a terrible division. The Chiefs, the three seed, so that wasn't the case. Um, they did have one home, you know, obviously the home game against Miami. Weird circumstances with the weather, but this is a Chiefs team that, just like the Patriots, has an incredible Hall of Fame coach with multiple Super Bowl titles, an incredible Hall of Fame future Hall of Fame quarterback with multiple Super Bowl titles, multiple MVPs, multiple Super Bowl MVPs, and one really elite weapon, at least, right? Whether it was like Gronk or whether it was Welker, like they just, like, they just always, or Edelman even, who would just show up in the playoffs. That It just it reminds me of that, except Mahomes maybe has a better ceiling than Tom Brady on any given game just because of his physical abilities. And... Like, I don't know. People are like, well, Kelsey might Kelsey might be toast. Oh, the Chiefs offense is done. Andy Reid can retire. They, they could they rip off three straight Super Bowls starting two weeks from now. Hey, um, let's let me ask you this. This Chiefs team offensively isn't where it needs to be. And they did only score 17 points, but they, they had a really good first half. Is this the best Chiefs defense Patrick Holmes has ever had the pleasure of, of enjoying? Easily. Yeah, I'd agree. Right. I would I would say that the first team that won the Super Bowl in uh, 2018, 
2018? 2019. 2019. The first team that won the Super Bowl in 2019, um, that this the defense came together in the playoffs, like this offense is kind of coming together. And and so maybe you can make that case. But yeah, I mean, Brett Veach and Andy, Andy Reid, too, in this front office has done a tremendous job of finding ways to improve this defense. George Karloftis in the first round. What, uh, what round was Jerry Sneed? A few years He's ago. a day three guy. Day three, exactly. Day three guy. I mean, they have found, they have really done, the whole argument was the Chiefs better get their Super Bowls now because Mahomes has got to get paid and Kelsey's old and Tyreek Hill's got to get paid. And they traded Tyreek Hill and they've been into, they've been a back-to-back Super Bowls without Tyreek Hill. And you have to give credit to the front office for finding a way for, for finding guys in the draft in early rounds and in later rounds who have made major impacts. And that has been one of the bigger differences. And the one thing I'll say real quick to that is that a lot of our biggest questions in this past offseason back in August, we were asking, how are the Chiefs going to win a Super Bowl with this offense? And, well, the question is because their defense is going to partly carry them there, which hasn't had to happen in the Mahomes era, that there has been, for the first time, Patrick Mahomes has had a margin of error where he could fail a little bit and maybe have an off game during the regular season or not look get shut out in the second half of the AFC title game and you still win because your defense is so good, and that's a safety net that he's never known before. I'm sure he is loving it. So, yeah, I think – the fact that their defense is so much better. You know, we all thought it was going to be good, but it is great. Second fewest points given up this year, second fewest yards. Uh, it is beating up teams, and so that's why you have to feel good what's, about what they're what's doing. What's the tougher loss uh, breach? The, like, before the game start, you go to these coaches, you go to you go to uh, John Harbaugh and Dan Campbell on Sunday morning, and you, you tell John Harbaugh, you're going to hold Patrick Mahomes with 17 points. Sign? Would you sign for that? He he would sign for that. Or Dan Campbell, you're up twenty four seven at half. Which one hurts more? Twenty four seven. Yeah, you're gonna blow a seventeen point lead in two quarters. I have to think that hurts a little bit. And more. At least it's like you're on the road. Your defense isn't great. And the Niners are incredible. But I I probably agree with that. Wilson. Oh yeah, no, I would imagine it's it's a uh, it's a low point. Although. I mean, the Ravens' expectations. I don't know of anyone picking the Chiefs to win that game. I think a everyone lot of the, picked the Ravens. A lot of people had the, the Chiefs covering because I thought we all thought it was going to be close. Like no one was down on Patrick Mahomes, but the way the efficiency with which that Ravens' offense and defense had been operating, it to Breach's point earlier about where the production go, it, it it did not show up in the stadium. Breach, you missed an opportunity for a fun fact here that relates to Harrison Bucker. Do you know it, or do you want me to give it to you? Uh, does it have to do with scoring points? Or he has eight straight 50 yards? What did it tell me? The eight straight 50 yarders after converting that 52 yarder. Is that a record? It's a record for me. It's a Wilson record for Harrison <laughs> Bucker. Uh, all right. Let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll do a little sneak look ahead. Early Super Bowl 58 preview. 49ers, Chiefs. And we'll tell you what the line is right after this. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. 
With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I mean, this is crazy town, USA, but uh, Brenton, you can tell us if this is uh, normal. The line opened at 49ers minus two and a half. It's down to one and a half already, uh, 30, 45 minutes after the, the final whistle of the you know, game there. Crazy is I, I until Diva just put it in Slack, I had just somehow just hadn't looked because we started on the podcast right away after the games ended. And I definitely would have said that the Chiefs would be favored. Now, having said that, because I, I think I'll probably pick the Chiefs to win just because of how. I mean, it feels like the 49ers are favored again. The Chiefs, the Chiefs have somehow been able to play. No one believes in us. Like since since last we just year. said that no one picked them to beat the Ravens. I know, but I mean, remember Travis Kelsey called people jabronis. So no one believes in us. And it's like you all right, you've been to six straight AFC championship games, but everyone believes in you and is scared of you. You've been to four out of the last five Super Bowls. Everyone who'd, you pick, who'd you pick to be win the Ravens game? Ravens. <laughs> That's what he read. Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe so. But so I I think I would have guessed that the Chiefs were favored. I'll tell you what, I think that this the Lions in in Las Vegas would have been insane from a fan standpoint and sort of a you know, like man on the street, like with the stuff you're seeing out and about in Las Vegas uh situation. And these two teams have been to Super Bowls in recent years. Obviously, we saw them in Miami right before the pandemic um, with the, the the Hornet Sting play or whatever it was, Tyree Hill, the Chiefs beat Jimmy, Jimmy G. Um, but 49ers haven't won a Super Bowl since 94, I don't think. Um, the Chiefs are trying to pile them up while Mahomes is there. And quite frankly, this should do monster numbers from a ratings perspective and I would say, Wilson, that it reminds me a little of Seattle Patriots, Super Bowl, 40, Super Bowl 49, where the line was one or one and a half. I could see this book be Chiefs being favored for a little bit, and then coming back, ending as a pick. And you have this, you know, Seahawks team that's sort of a budding NFC West dynasty type of you know, great defense, your know, young quarterback. Uh, we're not we're not surprised that they're back there. Everyone thought they were prohibitive favorites to make it out of the NFC against the team from the AFC that's just been there every year for the last few years. And it's like the 49ers are probably the better team, but the Chiefs have Mahomes. Just like Seahawks are probably the better team, but the Patriots had Brady. And so I think that's kind of a kind of an interesting aspect to it. Um, although it does ruin the 
Like, I is this the? I think Chiefs Lions would have been the number one option. Uh, Rich Schumann would have liked that, no doubt about it. Um, hey, Debo, I'm just from a CBS up. broadcast perspective. Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it's a great story. I think a lot of people were. I was pulling for the Lions because it's a it's a fun story. Uh, hey, let me ask you this, Breach, because this feels like a reversal of what we just saw, but the teams probably played a little differently. The last time these teams met in Super Bowl 54, uh, San Francisco led 21-10, entering the fourth quarter. Then Kansas City pulled a, a 49ers, 21-0 in the fourth quarter. And it was Kansas City's first win since 69, and they've, they've gone on to go to Super Bowls since then. But um, what are the... What are, like, what are the big storylines for you coming into this game? Because I don't think that last game is going to have any bearing. A lot of the faces have changed on the San Francisco side of the ball. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like it's going to be a big part is Brock Purdy versus Patrick Mahomes. You have the quarterback. You have Brock Purdy, who I feel like the first half of this game, it was like, what is this guy doing? He's just going to choke in every playoff. And then second half, the offense is clicking. They look good. And a big part of it is because he's running. He's throwing it. He, he looks accurate, made some great throws. And it was the same thing in the Packers game where it was like how this guy is being totally outplayed for Jordan, by Jordan Love for three quarters and then turns on the fourth quarter and has a game-winning drive. So you have the last pick in the draft against Patrick Mahomes. It doesn't seem fair, uh, but the 49ers are favored because their roster is stacked. And if you would have asked me uh, week 15 and just give me a list of Super Bowl matchups and Chiefs 49ers was on it, I would have picked the 49ers without blinking in week 15. But ever right. since Christmas night against the Ravens, and then you just look at the Packers game, the Lions game, and it is just, they don't look so invincible anymore. And I feel like the, the Chiefs can have success defensively and offensively. So I think this is going to be an interesting battle. You know, and like, Brenton, like Brenton, I'm surprised that the 49ers were favored. Let me just say this quickly. Um, and I will be picking the Chiefs almost certainly, unless an, an asteroid Same. gets the, Probably. you know, a part of the, the state and they Patrick Mahomes gets shot into the moon or something. But uh, I just briefly, we'll mention the uh, Super Bowl draft update, in which we all drafted four. Oh, God, do we have to? And Prisco was the fourth member of it. And I've forgotten. I actually lost the list. Breach sent it to me the other day. You I went had Niners four, first. I went Ravens second. So Pete went. Uh, I had 49ers. So I'm in. Going into the day, Brinson was the only person with two teams breached. He had the Ravens and the Lions. Unbelievable. Took the double, took the double uh, L. Prisco has the Chiefs, and Breach has been out for two weeks. So <laughs> it's me versus Pete. Old man versus older man for all the marbles. So I also pulling. had I also had a bet I made a few weeks ago that stinks now because it was it may have been cleared out. Uh, no, it's still there. Lions defeat Chiefs. Oh, uh, Brinson, that hurts. You know, and one thing I will say about this game though is that I won't be surprised if it's a huge home field advantage for the 49ers because you are talking about a short flight. I'm looking right now. You could fly from San Francisco to Vegas the Wednesday before the Super Bowl for $35. It, like, what? 49ers fans can just pile into Vegas. It's so geographically close. It's the Bay Area. You have the tech money. Those people, you can afford Super Bowl tickets. And We're look, not taking $25 flight if you have tech money, Breach. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> well, I mean, unless all the flights also, are also private Let's not forget that we and we've seen this because we've covered a bunch of these Patriot Super Bowls. Yeah, but you have not that you get fatigue, but at a certain point, it costs one, a lot to go to the Super Bowl every year. You're like, I'm not spending six thousand dollars a year to go to the Super Bowl. It's really expensive. And the Niners were there four years ago, but the Niners don't have a win in thirty years. 
Right. So like being there for the 49ers to win, like Katie box and I were talking about this. Um, she's like, if the Niners get in, I'm, you know, cause like, like a lot of, some of us are flying out early before the game. And I think she was on that in that group. She's like, I'm going to find a way to go to this game. You know, so Tebow did last year. Yeah. Right. Tebow got Tebow to sit there and watch the Eagles lose the Super Bowl to the Chiefs. Well, and to be clear, cause, uh, Breach did that too with the, the Rams and the Bengals. Yeah, so let's 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 go in reverse chronological order or just chronological order. Debo, was it worth it in retrospect? No. <laughs> <laughs> Breach, was it worth it? Yes, one hundred percent, one thousand percent. At least Debo did. Debo, Debo had a Super Bowl from four years prior, though. That's true. That's very true. By the way, uh, Patrick Mahomes won't say this out loud, but Kansas City Chiefs fans, if you want to stay home and watch the game from the comfort of your own home, you don't like the the the. Uh, hedonistic nature that Las Vegas might provide. Just know this. Patrick Mahomes at Allegiant Stadium, he is 4-0. 313 Ooh. passing yards, 10 touchdowns, yeah. one interception. Good. Bring That's it on, a boys. really good point. I hadn't thought about that, Wilson. And I mean, I, I think you know. that does matter. Like, there's some a lot of familiarity with playing in that stadium and sort of the nuances that go with it. That's a big deal, I think. There you go. Maybe the, for maybe for next Monday's podcast, when we rank the top fifty-eight storylines of Super Bowl fifty-eight, we can discuss that. When Brent's I do that no. individually, you do fifty-six of them, I do two of them. Uh, but this no, is Brent's no, mentioned the Patriots. You mentioned the Patriots. Uh, Chiefs are going to their fourth Super Bowl in five years. Just the third team in NFL history to pull that off. Patriots, as Brenton mentioned, did that, and so did the Buffalo Bills, but they lost them all. Unlike the Patriots and Chiefs, that's it. It's a really short list of teams that go to the Super Bowl this often, uh, and, and maybe that's why. I, I do think Chiefs fan, Chiefs fans are crazy. Chiefs fans are great. They will show up. I'm just saying that Vegas yeah. is a lot closer to San Francisco, and it's a lot more manageable trip when you're coming from the Bay Area. All right, a little uh, little trivia here. If you cheated, then we'll move on. But Patrick Mahomes can become the fifth quarterback to win three Super Bowl Super Bowls. Who are the other four? Um, to win exactly three or at least three? At least three. Tom Brady. Joe Montana. How many? There are two more. And they, Terry, they Bradshaw, play, Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw. There's one more. Play, Troy Aikman? Troy Aikman. You guys are good at this. There you yeah. go. Andy we, Reid. We were texting Super, about it. <laughs> Andy Reid, fifth Super Bowl appearance, ties Tom Landry for third most by a head coach. And uh, he can become the fifth head coach to win three, along with Bill Belichick, Chuck Knoll, Joe Gibbs, and uh, Bill Walsh. Man, um, I will say too that, and I mean, I'm not like I don't really feel like there's tooting my own horn or anything. That's um, not like you. Go ahead. Right, exactly. Uh, because well, because also it's like guy is Patrick Mahomes, whatever. But it does feel like so. I, I said this after the first Chiefs Super Bowl. It just reminded me of Phil Mickelson winning his first major, and how. No, I mean, like, Andy Reid won the first one. There's no longer the pressure of being the guy who didn't have, like, the greatest coach who didn't have a Super Bowl and, like, would he retire without a Super Bowl? And now he just has, he's got another 10 years of Patrick Mahomes. I don't think it's crazy at all if Andy Reid and and, and um, Patrick Mahomes retire and they have put both Bill Belichick and Tom Brady into second place at the, like firmly into second place, the same way that, that Brady and Belichick did it to Bill Walsh, maybe Bill Walsh, maybe but it did it to Joe Montana for sure. In terms of like 
saying th- like these guys are the greatest of all time. And you you go and win this one, what would that be? Three in five years? It'd be mm-hmm. a very similar start to the to the Patriots. Yep. Hey, let me ask you this, Breach. And this is something that our buddy Joe Musso brought up when he was on HQ earlier. If they win this one, any pushback from Dynasty conversations for the Chiefs? No, I mean this. They are even if they didn't make it. I you may get the six straight AFC title games. You're in the dynasty conversation, okay. and when you win those, and you're getting to the Super Bowls, also, then yes, you are dynasty. And I feel like for NFL fans, it's got to be so weird because it's so hard to continuously win in this league, especially in the salary cap era, and to go straight from the Patriots dynasty to this Chiefs dynasty is shocking. It's really crazy to, to have this happen. Mm-hmm. And shout out real quick to Jared Dubin, who we, we do our preseason Super Bowl picks. We turn them in in Ooh. August. What do you say? Uh, you know, you talked about the draft that we do. So the, the Super Bowl draft and, and me and Brinson are out. Uh, so just to rub all our noses in this, Brinson, your Super Bowl pick, you know what it was. You got half of it right. You got Bill's 49ers. Mm. Wilson's was Charlie. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I think the one of the teams had a losing record and fired their coach midway through the season. Is that correct? Yes. The Chargers and who else? Chargers, <laughs> Eagles. Oh, God, even worse. My was both their coordinators. Okay, go ahead. Mine was Bengals, Cowboys. Better. And Dubin's was Chiefs 49ers. So he nailed it. Mm, very nice. Wow. Um, by the way, P- uh, Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football, I think friend of, friend of the pod, has predicted the Super Bowl winner correctly for five straight years. And he had, I think, Chiefs over 49ers. When did he make the prediction before the season? Yeah, that is nuts. That's he had, I mean, good. he had the, he had the Rams winning it. He had the Chiefs winning it last year, and and like you know, there's if he gets this one, maybe it's either four and he's going on five, or I can't remember what it is. But I mean, you know, look, here's the thing: it's, it's called he's smart. You and I try to look like talk ourselves into the Lions or some team coming well, out of he's nowhere. Also, he's, also, he's also picked the Chiefs a bunch. <laughs> it's just a right. Good that's what I'm saying. Do. That's what a smart person would do. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. the Sean Wagger McGuff. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Shout out Sean. Um, hey, Prisco, Prisco would always be like, ah, "It's the Patriots over the Packers." It's like you, Pete, you pick that every year, you clown. Now you get it right. All right, listen. Before we get out of here, Brinson uh, mentioned the lines one and a half over under forty seven and a half. What is your lean as the uh, they call sharps breach? What does the, the sharps say that? What's your lean? well? I would say that that forty seven and a half number is really high for a Super Bowl. Um, even with these two offenses, I think these two defenses are good enough that you will see that number tick down a little bit. I'll say 46 is what it closes out. So I would lean towards the under. Um, and I also think, again, that reminds me of Seahawks, Patriots, Super Bowl 49 out in the desert. I think we see this close a pick them. There is no way in hell you will see this line get I don't think you'll see it get to two barring like major injuries you will never see it get to three either way I think it closes a pick I think it ends up drifting back towards the Chiefs so if, if I were if I were right now I would lean towards Chiefs in the under anyway and I think that's where the line moves uh, the one check. thing about the under real quick is that the three Super Bowls the Chiefs have played with Patrick Mahomes the winning team every time has scored at least 31 points wowzers that's a lot of points good 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 little nugget there Breach. Do you have an early uh, lane breach, or do you want to do a kicking prop? Nah, I'm <laughs> leaning with Brinson here, I, except I would go over. I, I think I, I would lean Chiefs right now. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to be a recurring thing. Oh, look at that. Jeez. <laughs> Who are those guys? I don't know. 
So if you're listening to the audio version, Debo just flashed a graphic that uh, will certainly keep you up at night. Uh, Pick 6 Live from Vegas, CBS Sports HQ. will be doing shows every single night, starting with Monday at uh, the little, what's that called, the get-together with the teams? Powwow? No, no a media, media night. Media night. Uh, by the way, by the way we're, we're just real. Hold on, hold on one second. Hold on one second. We're going to be there media night. We'll be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And Brent's will be doing some podcasts with Katie Mox, doing some gambling stuff as well. Be sure to check that out. Go ahead, Brent. Uh, I see a 48 out there, so maybe tick up a little bit in terms of the odds. But Chiefs already catching plus one, minus 115 on the juice at plus one and a half. So um, would feel like maybe that that move – that that move feels good. Maybe the, maybe we see the over tick up a little bit. So there you go. All right, and go. I bought a fancy new sports car. I can't wait to show it off. Oh, I can't wait it. to see it. Ah, it's so much fun. And by the way, Metro, Earl, yeah. full early Super Bowl odds show is going to be tomorrow, Monday at two p.m. And by the way, if you don't have a dog in this fight, and by that I mean all your your favorite team is out, they're officially in the off season breach. I'll be at the Senior Bowl this week. So if you want to. Check out the old With the First Pick podcast. Me and Rick Spielman will be doing some shows from there. And then the following week, we'll all three be together in Las Vegas. Uh, what's the over under on how many of us get arrested? One and a half. I would put it at a half. <laughs> well, no, if it's it's if it's a half, everyone's slamming the under. I mean the over. <laughs> I was gonna say if you're slamming the under, you're you're uh, whatever that what's the opposite. Well, sharp? I would actually, I would, I would say, or I would, I think that the, it's not so much uh, over under on arrested, but maybe over under on how many of us have shenanigans related stories that come out of the Super Bowl, because I think one is a pretty safe bet. I'm not sure who that would be. We'll have to set aside a day after the Super Bowl. I got a week after where we share all our stories from Vegas. I got a good little Super Bowl shenanigan streak going. So I'll probably, I would say the over under. Start one or end one? What's that? Trying to end a streak or start a streak? Uh, The streak's rolling, man. (laughs) Okay, yeah. I I agree with that part. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I think the last three years I got shenanigans. All right. That's it for the old uh, conference championship recap for Willie Bear. For Johnny Boo, (laughs) for producer Debo, I'm Ryan Wilson. We'll see you guys this week. 